The Koivig pod. Well, I'm smiling from a Manchester United viewpoint. Champions League nearly in the bag. But Man City will be really disappointed. They didn't look like the team that had won 14 on the trot. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. It was low-key a massive night in the League of Ireland last night because uh, the teams who were in European action were all playing against each other. Vinnie Perth is with us in the studio to talk to us about this. So Derry took care of business at home against Dundalk with a, a 3-0 win. Rovers needed a late penalty to get all three points against uh, St. Pat's. And I'm going to talk to you about those in a second. I did want to just ask you, and in light of the re- refereeing conversations that we've been having recently, um, last night on uh, Sky, Monday Night Football, Howard Webb came in and explained how VAR works. They showed that they have live audio feed and live video feed of what's going on, how the decisions are reached. And it just struck me that, like, this is really good. It's very educational. If only they could show us this in real time, away we go. Yeah, I I always said, um, I think you need a bit of context for why people make any decision in life. And I think that's the key to it. It's like um, there was a yellow card recently in the League of Ireland game that people went, or sending off, that people went bananas over. But if a referee had been allowed to say, well, that was his fifth foul, I think it kills the argument very quickly or fourth foul or whatever it is. And I um, I didn't see last night's uh, stuff and i only seen small bits of it here and there, people saying just stuff. But um, it's good to see it being explained. Um, you know, I, I uh, the cynic in me says, like, Sky can be quite soft on these people because I think they're, they work together as oh, part yeah. of... Mm. Um, so there's there's a lot of decisions you'd like a real and I know they did go into one um, where they got made a mistake but there's a lot of decisions um, I, I'm completely on your side with, with the offside ones I always my brain goes to when's the ball being kicked and when did he exactly freeze yeah. frame because if you're going to go into millimetres of an offside it has to be on this then millimetres in terms of when the ball left his foot and he never go into that detail and so you can't have one and the other it's like the, and I know it's slowed again and we almost have to really focus on when the ball leaves his foot and then go back to the offside if you're going to draw the lines yeah, that, that yeah. minute so for me that's that's a I huge think, question that needs to be asked I think that will come I have yeah, to say yeah. I think eventually that they'll be like okay we we, we know for whatever reason there's there's daylight and I think with like the improvement in cameras we're going to get there sooner rather than later but I do think the ex- ex- explaining stuff really helps and hopefully this is like a, a new era of it I mean miking up all referees will mm. be a good start yeah I, th- I think within within reason I think you've also got to remember um, and people are, are always reference rugby in terms of the refs Mike and it's brilliant and I really enjoy that I just think Within reason, I think the certain sports you, tend you still want to be able to um, yeah occasionally think, swear. But, but I think I think uh, you often find referees aren't afraid to swear back as well. No, and, they're, they're and there's way of managing certain situations that um, I often say to people, particularly being being a dub, because um, I've worked with a lot of people outside of of Dublin. When a Dublin fella tells you to f off. He doesn't. doesn't mean that f off, <laughs> but if, and when you're coaching, and it's actually an art of coaching. So, if if um, someone from from down the country tells you to f off, you, you'll give out to them. You'll, you'll you'll go. Don't speak to me like that. That's not acceptable. 
But if someone from Dublin does it, he actually doesn't. He's not talented. Ah, this is culture bias. This is bias against culture. Yeah, here, but the, there's a w- look the, at but, this. But so we w- can't say it, but you can say it. Yeah, so it's it's part of our DNA and our language. It's completely different. It's uh, using ah, your own here. language uh, and your own way of saying certain things. I'm sure you've got words that make no sense to us. So. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you have to get you have to you have to let us have. Uh, I, I think have our so the Dublin club should be allowed to say say the words. I think the audience would appreciate that though. You know, we'd all be like, ah, it's okay. You know, yeah. one of my teammates at that uh, junior level got, got got a yellow card recently for telling the ref to f off. But he, he meant it in the way you're you're talking about, like ah, f off, like yeah, yeah, more yeah. exasperation than than Adam, like you know. So there there is a little bit. Of, there's a grey area there. That's why we need to be careful where we go with it. That's all. Just <laughs> all right. Okay. Uh, I'm just speaking up for the townies today. Um, the dubs, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, what about Rovers? Um, so a ninety, uh, sorry, an eighty-eight minute penalty to win it. Yeah. I, I have to say, um, and I'd like to think on balance. You know, we'll hear today, brilliant game, football, all this stuff, and um, and you know, two teams, three-two, but it was, it was all of that. And when it's not, I'll say it's not. But today, last night. There was um, just shy of 7,000 people in the ground on a Monday night. And you've got to remember, um, it's a school night, so mm. yeah, which is a huge crowd for any sporting event in Irish, unless it's something big like an international or whatever. But that was a huge crowd. Uh, weather was decent. Stadium played a big part in it. Um, I seen um, Jonathan Hill at the game. Uh, I had a brief chat with him when we were leaving, and he was. it, it was great to see... Um, I know he goes to a lot of games. To be fair to him, that's the the, the uh, from the FEI, but you can see there's a product here. There's something coming, and there's a um, and and actually I hadn't seen my sister and my niece in a long time. And my niece plays for P Mount under 14s. Better say um, Emmett. They won the cup against Bowes the weekend. But I seen them walk into the game last night. So why do I bring that up? Is my sister normally wouldn't go to a game, but her daughter's bring her to it. And because she's playing with P-Mount, she has an interest. And uh, thankfully, she's chosen Pats as a club, right? <laughs> I mean, that was a joke. But there's two more people statistically going to a game. Yeah. And and it's because of the women's football. It's because of yeah. she wants to be the next Katie McCabe or whoever. And there's, there's, there's something bubbling along here nicely. And I just think it's important to reference that. That's just two people that I know that happen to see picked out in the crowd amongst thousands going to a game it does feel like the clubs are aware of this as well that actually you have a, you have a, a competition a friendly competition within the clubs to recruit new yeah. new fans and they're going about it the right way as opposed to like um, you know being close to it well it's all done, a lot of it's done through social media so kids now and, and the thing about the thing about bringing young ki- so many young kids are at games now what's brilliant about it is they're they're getting this passion for football, right? So whether they're footballers or not, that's almost a relative where the game will grow and earn this. They'll become the next administrators. They'll become the next coaches. They'll become the next referees. They'll become the next whatever. And I think, I think it's so important to recognise that whether it's, by, whether it's a detailed plan or whatever, it doesn't really matter. But what we're doing with these young kids at games is, is Actually, developing the game for twenty, thirty years, and the non- most of them won't become footballers. I mean, it's it's now becoming cutthroat in League of Ireland as well to get to, into the elite level, which is you know it's great, but at the same time we were creating this um, this brilliant environment around football, and I think it needs to be said sometimes as well as when we get things wrong, call them out. But I I, I was delighted to see uh, 
a niece of mine from up the road from Tallah Stadium walking into the game yesterday to support John McRovers and, um, and I know why that's happened it's happened because of the knock-on effect of a girl who has been given an opportunity to play football at a decent level with a good club and then uh, St. Pat's have, have captured her imagination and then she's become a supporter and she has to drag her parents along with her. We were having a conversation on uh, Thursday night, went out on the radio on Friday night, you can listen back to it on, on the football stream podcasts about uh, the impact of the women's success now and it feels a, a lot to me like there was a bang of uh, the qualification for uh, Euro 88 off this campaign which ends with a very scratchy uh, win in Hampden Park but it felt too that there was big lessons that we could have learned from how the game didn't grow domestically after that success. It feels a good bit better now looking at the current FAI about their plans and the people who are in charge of helping to grow the women's game in particular. But as you say, it's a knock-on impact where it's actually a rising tide that lifts all boats. Yeah, and I think um, I'm not going to be claimed to be an expert. I just don't have time to be in any way an expert in any sort of... Women's football, I have a, I have a, a passing interest for obvious reasons. So many things uh, interject. But I heard, um, and apologies, our name's going to help me. I heard that interview was played out over the weekend. I was in the car. Um, it must have been Saturday afternoon, maybe, uh, that, that you did on Thursday night, bits of it. And and I, I apologies, I can't remember the lady's name. It was Linda Gorman, I think, probably is who you're talking about. But go on, I'll tell you but, exactly. Uh, the, the lady who played... Uh, all them years Linda ago. Linda Gorman, yeah. Linda Gorman. She was... I, I found her an inspiring woman when she spoke about football. Mm. I actually... You know when some people capture imagination, and apologies uh, to Linda Gorman for, for not remembering her name, um, but you know when someone speaks, you're like, yeah, this is this is, this is is the person I want to I hear speak. You can feel what it means to her, footballer. Yeah, it was, and it was so genuine and so real, and there was almost like... Um, and, uh, so, so I go analyse now. Almost a little bit... Like she was pouring her heart out in a really good way to say, I almost like you felt sorry for her that she didn't get the opportunity because she was so genuine about about football, forget women's football, about football, about what it takes, and um, and and in no way was she bitter towards. And that's the problem in many ways in the men's game. There's a little bit of bitterness around. He said something to me twenty years ago and yeah. all this stuff, and it was so uh, it was really refreshing to hear. And I, I heard it on the radio over the weekend, and it was oh, it was brilliant, it really was. So the football last night, yeah, Rovers. These are the games that are when they look back on when they're picking the trophy up at the end of the season. It feels like these are the games they're going to be like, yeah, we deserve the trophy because we were able to take everything Pat's gave to us and come through. Yeah, it, it was um, honestly it was such a good game last night. It was it was tactically as well brilliant, right? Great occasion, but tactically brilliant. Pat's done something slightly different. Okay, the the first half of the game, a half time for forty five minutes. Uh, Pats were well ahead of, of Rovers. They dominated them in midfield. So you're talking about a midfield of Richie Tell, Jack Bourne, Gary O'Neill, Graham Burke. But Pats were hungry in midfield. They looked, they actually looked the fresher team, although Rovers had made six changes from playing on Friday night against UCD. And what they'd done was Owen Doyle dropped him to midfield. And it's, it's when you play against a back three, they always say the way to hurt them is in the wide areas. Okay, so McClelland and Mark Doyle played really wide. Mark Doyle in particular stood there and it forced. So Rovers played with a back three and the three centre halves. So they forced Dan Cleary into a wide area that he didn't want to go mm-hmm. into. And tactically, it made it a brilliant game. So at half time, Rovers had one chance 
it was a header from a deep free kick and it was nothing else. And then right in, so for 45 minutes, Pats were in the lead, deservedly so, had the biggest ch- ch- chance of the game and scored a great goal through Mark Doyle. Albeit it was a deflection, it was great pressure and really forced Rovers back. And it was good to see someone tactically do something different against them. But unfortunately, in the, the referee put two minutes up extra time, Bog was running out of play. Young Sam Curtis, who's a, who's a really good talent, gone through a bit of a, a spell now because he's such a young player. He's only 17. And Neil Frugia uh, is one of them where you try and shepherd the ball out. Neil Frugia hooks the leg around. Um, Graham Burke gets a shot, decent save, and Rovers score off of the resulting corner. And I'd say that that was a huge moment in the game, mm. albeit um, the second half changed. But that was huge, and it was it was brilliant to see somebody tactically try something different against Rovers. Rovers. So were they leaving Lopez as the only defender on Owen Doyle, essentially one on one kind of thing at the back? No, well, so on, on Doyle will drop in. So what what you get against, and again, it's something teams should do more when they play against this tree system. Is is on Doyle got involved with Rovers play with a box midfield, mm. so they play with four two two, and it probably didn't suit them last night. Ultimately, you've got Richie Tell and Graham Bork trying to do the same things, but Richie has to do it from a little bit deeper. And actually, when um, Richie scored a, a great header in the second half from breaking from deep and that's what he's brilliant at but maybe at times they've got to find that combination of him and Bork together can be can be difficult but Jack Bourne and Graham Bork were very quiet last night mm. and that's when I spoke a couple of weeks ago when you hit the sweet spot of a, of a team and a league winning team and the best example of it is and I, I don't always like going to England is Gundogan at the moment mm. just when 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 your team is a little bit stuck one of your other players and it's not that Towel is below the level of the other guys. It's just when someone else comes and steals the moment. Yeah. And Richie Tell breaking from midfield was brilliant last night. And um, but to be fair to Pats, they stuck at it. And again, tactically, uh, they they had a throw in on um, their left hand side. And the way Rovers play and the way they're set up, and it, it, it annoys me that other teams don't see it. Is they shift everyone over so they're vulnerable on the switch and. Uh, from a, a throw in on the left, Pat's right full gets a shot off. Uh, keeper should do better, and um, uh, Ben McCormick sneaks in and it's two all. And you think, yeah, Rovers were excellent in the second half, but you think maybe it draws a fair result. But ultimately, uh, the, the pressure of Rovers and a, a, a Tell steps up. A big player, Richie, who scores big goals over many years, scores a penalty, and uh, it was a, a tremendous game. Uh, two teams really went for it. Um, but you could tell that Rover, Rovers made six changes against UCD and Pats freshened up a little bit with three, but the, the freshness of the Rovers squad and the quality Strength of the depth won the game for them. Chris Forrester heavily involved in a lot of the good Pats things by all accounts? Yeah, he was very good in the first half. And remember, so we, we'll all have debates of who's the best player and all that stuff. But we've got some really important stars in, in our league in our, our times. Graham Bork and... Uh, Jack Bourne, as I said, were quiet by their standards last night. But Forrester was everything that was good about Pats um, last night. Really, really good. Um, but they, you know, they had a lot of. Uh, it was a really good team performance from the without outstanding players. And I put that down to the manager. Then he obviously set the team up really well. 
Uh, we needed, for the sake of the league, we needed Derry City to win last night and at least keep some pressure up on Shamrock Rovers. And that's kind of what we're going to be looking for now. Rovers are on this run and they, they've just been excellent and they've been taking care of business. But Derry took care of business last night with a routine 3-0 win against Dundalk, which maybe we didn't anticipate would be so easy for them. Uh, well, what I would say is Dundalk have won a lot, a lot of games late, lately without playing that well. Um, like they won really poor against Cork, but scored two really late goals on Friday night, uh, deep in injury time. Pat Hoban scored in seven minutes into injury time, I think it was, to win that game. But what we are seeing with Derry, to be fair to them, I've been a bit critical of Derry because I think the start rovers have had the fact that nobody is is, is ahead of them at this stage, um, or, or at least. Uh, uh, yeah they should be ahead of them Derry have a good enough but to be fair to Derry they've got Duffy back now playing and he is you know people talk about Jack Bournes and Graham Borks Michael Duffy is up there wingers are different because they float in and out games but Michael Duffy's up there one of the best players in the last 10 years to play League of Ireland and again scoring last night but uh, Cameron Dummigan coming back into the team is huge and Derry on a really good run we need Derry to be consistent um, and like they, they did a great win against Bowles on Friday night and that was a real marker for them again not playing well but their form up in Dublin is excellent the concern for Rory Higgins would have been the form at home is not that good on that pitch but that was a big win last night and it gives them um, a real belief as I said when, when the likes if you're a player and Dummigan is back and he's scoring and Duffy's back in the team and you see Conley back training and McElhenney nearly there it gives you huge confidence they're only two points behind Rovers so touch wood and, and I think I think there we have the finances to strengthen in the window as well if needs be so um, looks it looks like we're about to have a bit of a bit of a title race it'd be good for the league yeah, absolutely needs it. Um, well, well, Rovers aren't blowing teams away um, in any way, shape or form. They're giving up a lot of chances at times. And you could see, like, it wouldn't have been a shock if it had been a two-all last night. So that's the good thing in many ways. Yeah, it does feel like Rovers haven't quite clicked into their full form yet, that actually they'll get better and better as the season goes on. Uh, um, yes, not not to disagree with you, but to say they need to be more clinical. Like, they, they'd only really, I think two shots on target last night in the penalty that's where they need to go up a level around that final tour and find the right balance they probably didn't get the right balance in their midfield right last night I, I believe for a game like that at Dublin Derby someone like Dylan Watts is a big loss for them out of that midfield but then who do you leave out Bork or Tell or Jack Bourne <laughs> so that's the that's the challenge of being the manager with all the resources last night's result notwithstanding Dundalk won't be too displeased like six game unbeaten run before last night I know Darley I think came off injured with an ankle complaint in the first half last night but still the recent signs have been good for them, for them. yeah they, they've picked up a lot of good wins and um, and they've stuck in games and, and got the job done the challenge they're having is they, they left out like uh, Hoban last night again they put him on the bench Daniel Kelly they Dundalk squad need everybody fit if they're, if they're to mm. achieve anything and they've had horrendous injuries um, at different stages like in many, for many people who followed Dundalk for a long time the team last night Daryl Leahy aside is it's almost unrecognisable in many ways you know you've no Benson no Daniel Kelly no Hoban no uh, Andy Boyle um, so they need to get them players fit 
um, if they're going to mount a challenge for European football because it's become so competitive now. One of the comments in from Shifty Lad, it was a player I wanted to ask you about. I don't, I don't think we've spoken about Mason Milia on the show yet. He made his debut at 15 years of age on Friday night, first or the youngest league player, I think, for uh, for Pats. And Shifty Lad's making the point. Uh, didn't play last night, he thinks, due to Irish under 17 involvement. He's only 15. I mean, how good is this guy? Yeah, um, I, I, I've seen him twice play under fo- 15 football, but I haven't seen much more of him other than I've seen him play some international football. He plays for the 16s and 17s. Um, look, uh, we don't have to hype him up too much don't worry yeah that's the problem I mean look he looks a real talent the problem with these guys is uh, you've a catch 21 it's a bit like um, um, uh, Sam Curtis last night if Sam Curtis before he wait for change the rules I think he'd be in a premiership club now and he still will probably go to one Mason Melia could do it probably going to it because he might be a level above and he could probably do it going to a premiership club but uh, the rules have, the rules have changed. But to be fair to St. Pat's, they've been very good at giving young players the chance. Uh, he's really exciting centre forward. Just just two of them at that club. Um, young Noonan as well is, is a name for people to watch. But Melia and Noonan are really really talented young players who have a huge chance. But you know, so many young players haven't kicked on. So he has a huge chance. Brilliant centre forward. And when you're when you're a manager, is it a case of when you're old enough, you're good enough with players like that, or is there a, a bit of reticence to bring in really young? Like I mean, fourteen, fifteen. We're talking Evan Ferguson's or Mason Amelia's. Is there because you're bringing them into a senior dressing room? Now, I think there was a player in the Premier League this season who had to get changed in separate dressing rooms to the senior lads for uh, obvious reasons. But it's it's an awkward one for managers because you want to put them in because they're good enough, but you don't want to bring them in too early either. Yeah, it, dep- it depends on the. Some kids are are fourteen, going on eighteen, and, and mm. I mean in their in their psyche or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Their, what's the word? Not mental development, but maturity. Maturity yeah. is the word. Sorry, yeah. And then other other kids just aren't mature enough. And then there's the physicality side of it. There's that. And then um, the average age of league winning squads is probably higher than other squads because right. if you're trying to win a league, you can't throw in a 14 year old away you win nothing with kids is that what you're saying yeah yeah well look you probably don't statistically do you really um, you don't I mean the average age and I don't I, I would say it's still there of Shamrock Rovers is the oldest la- over the last couple of seasons it was Dundalk before that and when you're under pressure to win big games you don't tend to rely on a 17 18 unless they're exceptional Uh Connor Whelan in the comments says, might not be a question for now, but worth the discussion. My kids' football season is about to end. Seems like madness that there's not some form of summer football going on. It's, it's not even madness. It's just, what's a bigger word than madness? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I, I, I seen something where, um, was it Cherry Orchard? And it was because I, I grew up as an orchard lad and I see certain things. Oh, their final game of the season. And I'm looking at the window going, Bloody sun is shining. Finally, the, the, the sun is shining. Like the grass is now level. It's like why? Yeah. Why? Why? Because people go on holidays, and you miss do, players. Do people go on holidays for three months? Oh, so what? Like, like a kids miss it for two weeks. Get on with it. Like so, mm. it's just. Is that genuinely the reason? No, it's not. It's it's political. We're still there is a section within schoolboy football, particularly around Dublin, that is not. Um, not for changing and and just not. Um, we should we should get them on because I I don't I actually don't understand why the football stops now when like we missed a month of football 
because the weather was bad and we're going to miss more sustained period of time because there's going to be like more periods of heavy rain and then the pitches will be unplayable because of drought at some point in the future and we have no plans for this. Yeah, but even try and coach a kid when it's two or three degrees on a Monday night and it's pissing rain. And the boys are in the face and they're crying. And actually, yeah, and even like it's just makes no sense. Look, I don't want to be too critical of people who are by and large volunteers putting together a league and all that stuff. But but I'm going to be critical and say they're just dinosaurs. I'm sorry, dinosaurs who aren't open enough to improve the game and not letting kids play throughout the summer or not creating and then some, maybe somebody has to take it off them and create a summer league and, and take it off them and you'd be surprised him at the kids and more kids who will play a summer league uh, and just do something about it yeah ok uh, right was there anything else that we need to talk about this week no just I think it's important to mention um, um, and, and ju- maybe young Ben McC- uh, Ben McC- uh, McCormick at uh, Drogheda United has come away from the game uh, with with some mental health issues. I think it's important to mention it because um, it's the bravery of a young kid to come out and say that and say it in public. And um, he's only a young kid trying to come true. So I think that's important to say. And Drogheda have been a really good uh, uh, club from um, in, in that sense. So um, no, sorry, Ben Curtis. I should have said sorry, but young Ben Curtis, young centre half, was at St Pat's. Um, and and the fact that he's been so open about it for me is 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 really good. It's great to see, and um, long may that sort of stuff continue. Because uh, Drogheda have been really supportive of Ben, um, and you just wish fellas like that well, particularly in the modern world. It's that, difficult for young players. That's something Drogheda have led the way because I know heading it was heading the game yeah. was, was the charity that obviously named the the, the stadium there heading the game park for Drogheda. I don't know if it's still. The, the yeah, no, they're they're still, but like that's a mental health charity that, that have done. I know Dean Arrowsmith, I actually know the lad who's, who's involved in organising yeah. head in the game, and they've done serious work. So, but it's no surprise to me that Drada would be a great. No, club and for. to give their new, I think it's Weaver Park. It's a local businesses now, but but they're still heavily associated mm. with head in the game park. Um, um, so, look, it's just important that um, that particularly young footballers, because it is becoming football is is is, is, cut, is cutthroat in many ways, and people are always. But Ben is part of a uh, Ben Court is part of a family of footballers, and uh, very very difficult for a lad to come out and say that at such a young age. It just shows you how the world is changing. That that stuff would have been hidden, and I hope some other players t- are inspired by it to say, well, if he does it, mm. why don't we all? Hundred percent. Finny, good stuff. Thanks, Thanks for joining us. OCB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now.